Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. To learn more, visit us at www.academyimh.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, December greetings. This is the first of hopefully many segments on this podcast that is a conversation with our incredible team members and other amazing mental health professionals. This month, our curator of social operations, Roslyn, who you're going to meet later, recently asked folks on our social media accounts what questions they had around COVID and the holidays and the holiday season in general. We decided to meet up on Zoom for this Q&A and share our ideas, thoughts, and suggestions. We ended up discussing sibling relationships, boundaries around COVID, isolation during this time, overwhelming emotions, and much more. We also found our way into a conversation around being a mental health professional right now and during the holidays. We share our personal strategies for caring for ourselves. And near the end of the episode, Stephanie shares a brain spotting technique for self-soothing and anxiety reduction, which is really cool. And I've been using it quite frequently since we learned it. Before we get into that conversation, I want to share with you something super exciting that we're offering for the month of December. So if you're a mental health professional, we know how rewarding and draining it can be right now. One way we are supporting our colleagues is offering a free self-care for mental health professionals crash course. Check out our website, www.academyimh.com under courses, and you can sign up now for a daily guided practice in your inbox every day for a week and also a super special bonus practice. If that support could be helpful for you. Also, if you're listening today and you want to give a gift to a mental health professional you know and love, or you can gift yourself, we are offering a discount code for the month of December on all of our courses. Yes, we are even including our 3CI certification course. Use the code TREATYOURSELF, that is T-R-E-A-T-Y-O-S-E-L-F, for 15% off of any of our online courses. Oh yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to our first sponsor, and it's also our sister company, Bridge Counseling and Wellness. This episode of Integrative Conversations is brought to you by Bridge Counseling and Wellness, an integrative mental health and wellness center in Louisville, Kentucky. Bridge provides holistic mental health counseling and supplemental wellness services, such as meditation groups, nutrition counseling, and yoga classes to people who are stressed, anxious, depressed, or seeking to enrich their lives or overcome obstacles. Bridge's mind-body approach to mental health incorporates whole self-care to improve outcomes in therapy and increase your overall health and well-being. To find out more, visit www.bridgemindbody.com. And now, on to our special segment, Nourishing Ourselves While Navigating COVID and the Holidays. 
This is the Academy of Integrative Mental Health, um, and we recently asked you guys what your questions were on social media just about COVID and the holidays and just surviving and what questions you guys had. Uh, and we got some really great, great ones. So we figured that we would do um, a podcast segment about that. We've got almost all of our team here. Uh, so I'm just going to have everyone go around and introduce themselves. Um, I am Rosalyn, I'm the curator of social operations, so you'll see me doing the social media. Hello, Juniper here. I'm the director of the Academy and a licensed clinical social worker and ecotherapist, and I'm super excited about this episode. Hey, it's Laurel. I am the content developer with the Academy, and I am also a licensed professional counselor and an art therapist, and I'm really excited to dig into some of these questions with you all. This is going to be great. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Um, I'm the course one of the course developers here at the Academy. Um, I'm a therapist and a brain spotting therapist, and I'm excited to get started. Hello, I'm Allison, and I am an advanced practicum student here at Bridge, um, a social worker, and I do some therapy with some clients, and then I also help out with content development here at the Academy, and yeah, very excited to be here today. And my name is Jordan. Um, I often go by Jay. Um, so, and I'm also an advanced master's uh, student in social work. Uh, and here on the academy team, I do a lot of research and advocacy work, uh, really looking at making sure that the academy's message is clear. So that was us. Um, I think we should dive in uh, right to our first question, which we actually had someone call in with. So let's... Uh, Let's hit that. <laughs> Hi, I had a question specifically about like sibling relationships and how to manage stresses um, of being around everybody, specifically when there's a lot of negativity and criticism within the family. Um, I've been getting that question a lot uh, in, in my work. It seems like that the sibling relationship is one of those ones that um, we don't focus on a lot and we don't address a lot, I think, because we get grown up and then we live apart and it maybe not is not an issue except for around the holidays or when you are forced together again. Um, I think in that relationship, you know, we're sort of given roles as kids. And, and I think when we're adults, they don't often fit us anymore. Never fit us usually at all, probably, but definitely don't fit us anymore. And they create a dynamic that's really uncomfortable. So whether you were labeled as the sensitive one or the difficult one, or, you know, the one that has to be perfect all the time, you know, we sort of see each other through those roles. So I think um, as siblings now for this wouldn't be during the holidays, but after the holidays, it's uh, could be a really great thing to, to, have a conversation and say that you'd like to redefine the roles in a way and talk about how you're not comfortable with your role. It doesn't feel good. And likely they aren't either. Um, and then there's some discussions and some ways that you guys could move into something different, you know, with a sort of common goal of how do we define this now? What kind of relationship do we want now? Um, as far as currently though, in the holidays, that would not be a conversation to have in the middle of 
uh, dinner, but <laughs> for the holidays. But I think um, currently what I suggest is um, people basically uh, an acceptance, a way of understanding that this is the dynamic and this is the way it's going to be this year. As much as I wish it will be different, it is going to be this year. So if I have a brother that's super critical, then I'm going to expect him to be critical. So I think if I go in, if, if I recognize that if I change just small things, it's it creates other change. And so if I can go in in a way where say I go in and, and like observer mode, or even I have little things I've talked to myself about ahead of time where I'm like, okay, so he's going to be critical. wonder how many minutes in it's going to take. Like at 10 minutes, will we really do it by 10 minutes? Am I going to be the first target? You know, like if you have this sort of thing going on in your head that just creates a little bit of a boundary between you and the reaction to that, because it stings, that criticism stings, even when you expect it, it still stings. So I think if you can go in an observer role, go in in a way where you expect it, and then I think do some major um, anxiety reducing things the day of, the day before, you know, use all of your skills at the same time. And then even in the moment, there's some things to do in the moment to reduce anxiety for yourself. Um, In brain spotting, we do a thing called vergence, and I can show you guys that later Um, in but it's basically an eye position sort of thing. There's, there's ways to sort of lower your anxiety in a moment. So I think any, you know, which ones work for you, you know, whether you need to go walk in the morning, whether you need to take a break in the middle, there's nothing wrong with taking a break in the middle of your family gathering and going and sitting in your car for a couple of minutes. You can make some excuse, you know, but sometimes we just need to, to accept that it's something that upsetting to us and that we need to, find ways to protect ourselves basically in the moment. Yes. Yeah, so I, as I'm hearing you talk about that, I think that's so true because sometimes we can know the changes need to happen and it might not be a time to have that conversation and we can only focus on what we can control. So that's what I've been having a lot of conversations with my clients about too. Is like how, what can I control in this situation for myself, for my own body, with my own time and with siblings, I know that can be hard because we grow up very often so close together. And so we, we often feel so closely bonded in a way, um, even if we are very different that we forget that we only have control over ourselves. And so I love that idea of just thinking about those anxiety reducing things for us and taking a break when we need it rather than wanting them to take a break or wanting them to stop, you know, to try and stop what they're doing. Um, One thing that I have worked on with a couple of people recently is this visualization of like a shield. Um, And I, I, I think that that has been helpful for me in situations too, you know, in the past, just, just, you talked about that barrier between what they say and how you respond to it. And sometimes just having a visualization for yourself of a physical like padding or barrier can give ourselves like time, you know, to respond rather than react. So I think that's, yeah, that's key is focusing on what you have power over in those moments. Absolutely. My, my sheet is the glass wall and I envision the words coming and bouncing back off. <laughs> yeah. Um, Laurel, I love how you brought up um, the idea of visualization in the moment. Um, and mine's actually a bubble. Um, and I work with um, my clients with this as well, and it can be really helpful in any kind of stressful situation, but especially when you're around 
um, energies that you know kind of uh, can be activating for you. And so this bubble um, is an invisible shield, right? That can expand and contract with your breath. So you can work with the breath with it. And it's permeable for you and your emotions and your vibrations and energy to come in and out of that. But when it comes to other people's, there's this shield, right? And you can see through it. And so that, that idea of a soap bubble, you know, soap bubbles are things that we see constantly on a daily basis whenever we wash our hands, especially nowadays, right? So um, that really um, helps me. And I think it can be helpful for several clients as well. I love that. Yeah, I, I love it too. And I think like what everything y'all are saying, like there's something so powerful about that moment where like you've thought about it, you know that that trigger might come up, you're waiting, you're like, how long is it going to take? And it hits and it finally that moment comes where you're like, oh gosh, like it does, how does it still sting? Like I've been thinking about it, I prepared for this and, y- and yet it still stings. And that moment, um, I think there's something really neat and powerful about that moment though that like where you can be like, okay, like, nope, here's my protective shield. Like, I don't have to take this on. Like I've taken it on my whole life. It's normal to me. It It's the way it's supposed to be. But having that realization of like, wait, this is not the rule. This doesn't have to be the rule. Like, I don't have, this doesn't have to come in. Yeah, I agree. And I, like speaking to what you were just saying, Jay, and then Allison with your bubble um, visualization, that idea of selective permeability comes up for me a lot, which is like a term that originated in biology right with cells, but that's exactly what they do. They, the cell membrane lets in what's healthy for the cell and does not let in what's not healthy. And we as humans can be selectively permeable. And so I love that. I think that's so true. We don't exactly Jay, like we don't have to take on anything that's not serving us, even if we have before for many, many years. Right. And recognizing that those things were put upon us, you know, they weren't choices, especially when it comes to those sort of family dynamics. They were things that were set up in the family and sort of put, we were put in these boxes, you know, and and we don't have to, we don't have to accept that or stay there. Well, and from there, Stephanie, I think like when you start to see maybe one dynamic in your family, like, um, and you're able to like see that more clearly and take a step back from it yourself, it, starts to let you see how other maybe dynamics are set in the family that you never noticed before. Exactly. Not true. Exactly. Well, and that's a good thing to do in that observer role where you're like, okay, I recognize I've been cast as the sensitive one, you know, so what is that person's role and do they like it? You know, what, how are they reacting to it? It's, it does help in the moment to sort of put yourself in a little different place. And what happens when you don't take the role on anymore? Like, how does that disrupt other dynamics? Does it? Oh, it will. <laughs> yeah, I call them boundary tantrums. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it can be it can be a really interesting social experiment if you feel ready and able to approach those family gatherings with that lens. Like, yeah, seeing what happens when you don't take on that role can be really interesting as an observer. I appreciate that you added when you're ready or if you feel ready. Right. Because you, like Stephanie was saying, it may not be the time, but also for you, it might not be the time. 
right? And so you might need to take a while to just be an observer of those roles. Like there's no deadline or amount of time that is right to just be an observer both internally and of your family and relationships before you have those conversations. It's okay to stay in that role as long as you need, right? Yeah. And before we move on to the next question, I was going to add in a technique that I use and it's an ecotherapy approach. And this really helps when there's a lot of um, biodiversity in the space, which is what we want, right? We don't want um, a monoculture crop. We want biodiversity that's healthy, right? For an ecosystem. However, it can be challenging when you're placed in, you're a butterfly and you're placed in the room with a eagle or whatever. I don't know. So what I like to do is I imagine my family members and I'm going to do this over zoom because that's how we're doing our family holiday this year. And I like to imagine everybody as their own species, like of birds, for example. So we might have a blue jay over here, my sister, sorry if you're listening. And blue jays can sometimes be a little, you know, they like have a lot to say. And, um, but I recognize that's her species. And then um, we have a cardinal over here. And for some reason that helps me to accept and really appreciate the diversity of dynamics, even sometimes when it stings. Um, that perspective helps me. So I just wanted to share that um, if anyone resonates. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, I love a metaphor. I love a, a like a visualization or a way of understanding things that's not in our, maybe outside of our normal way of looking at it. And I think that can really help not only with understanding, but maybe like distancing from it so that we can be a better observer. So yeah, I think that's amazing. I'm going to try that. I'm trying to think about what species my, my, all my family is now. I was just doing that too. I don't know enough about birds. So it's going to be animals. That's exactly, I'm trying to figure out who who fits what category. (laughs) Well, I think it's a great tool too, to see, like, I like that you mentioned, okay, she's a blue jay. That's just like, this is typical for maybe that species. So um, it's a, it's a way to see the pros and the cons. Like maybe you're used to being really frustrated, um, but like, it's a way to be like, oh, I see how this serves her maybe, or like, but it's not for me. Yeah. I feel like that is um, kind of on trend with what uh, I've been saying on social media a lot, just how do we set those boundaries with family, even if it's over Zoom, because even if it's just a video of someone, you can still get that emotional drainage. Um, So all of these are fantastic things. Um, I think we actually had another call-in question, if we want to listen to that right now. How can I handle the change that COVID will bring in terms of isolation and the social change amongst my family and friends? Wow. So um, that is definitely the question of the season. Um, It's kind of a conversation that I feel like I've been having um, Groundhog Day style, right, for several weeks now with with a lot of different clients. And um, it's just, it's really fascinating to me how much I've learned, um, I've kind of compiled a few of the different things that clients have been telling me that they've been doing in terms of how to deal with this kind of unprecedented, um, heavy, looming isolation that we're dealing with on top of the stress of the holidays. And um, 
yeah, really revelatory things coming up um, from some, some of the stuff that my clients are doing. For example, kind of revolutionizing this idea of routine, right? Where we used to get in our cars and go into work and interact all day with people, coworkers. There was very set routines, right? And the things that we were doing um, in the before times. Um, so today we can kind of take it upon ourselves to get creative and make our own routines. And, you know, for me, that might look like sitting in bed for an hour with a cup of coffee, um, reading over some things that really nourish me. Or um, it might look like listening to a guilty pleasure podcast while taking a walk at lunch. Um, just something that we can do almost ritualistically um, because there's so much healing power and that idea of doing some something ritualistically and regularly um, throughout each day to kind of nourish us, ourselves. Um, and we have the opportunity now, right, to do that in, a, um, in an observative, aware way, whereas before it was kind of, you know, a mindless drive into work and then home where we decompressed in the car listening to the radio. Now we can take it upon ourselves to choose a podcast and take a stroll. Um, so that's really inspiring that clients have kind of navigated that space um, in that way um, with different routines like that. I find that very interesting. Um, just those, some some of the things that we're missing the most, I think, during this season uh, are those little things we didn't even realize how much we needed, like listening to music in the car on the way home or the yeah, exactly. And then also kind of um, taking a step back and reserving some of the judgment we had for things that we called guilty pleasures is something that um, several of my clients and I have been kind of investigating lately. Um, like, you know, it's okay to sit and rewatch the entire um, series of The Sopranos again right now. It's wonderful. Um, and it's also okay to like maybe revisit some of the things you thought about when you were 11 or 12 to do in your free time, like play chess, you know, it's a good time to kind of, you know, get involved with something you might've thought was silly. Um, it, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity for that. And, and also um, going back to that idea of ritual, just like getting active every day is something that a lot of clients are finding beneficial, um, which can be problematic when it's A, colder outside, B, there's a pandemic going on. Um, so yeah, getting out and walking every day, there's videos available. Um, there's, you know, lots of... Uh, I didn't hear the end of that, Allison. Oh, uh, yoga videos online. There's just um, lots of different ways right now to get curious about what's going to work for you to just get the blood pumping um, because it's really easy to get into a cycle where we're getting more and more sedentary right now. And clients are finding that it's really helpful to get curious about what's helping you get active. Well, and to add on to that, like sometimes um, exercise or getting into our bodies can really cause a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, and uh, like, so when there's, I find that even some, it doesn't always have to be yoga. If that's your thing, that's awesome. But sometimes it's just like getting up and reorganizing the closet or like 
um, moving from bed to downstairs. Um, sometimes the active can be turning on music and like dancing around, like something that just gets you away from like being more sedentary just because sometimes getting that blood flowing is, is really the key, no matter how it happens. <laughs> yes, reorganizing your closet or tackling the retiling project in your kitchen. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's a lot easier sometimes to find the motivation to get up and do that. And there's a, it's something that you're producing and doing as opposed to just getting into your body. I love that. Yeah. And kind of talking about the isolation part, what I've heard a lot is that many people are going to be spending the holidays quarantined in their space or just having a lot of more time where people aren't entering into your home. So I have people that live alone and um, some of my own dear family members live alone and haven't had much contact. And I'm sure this is a story that we've been hearing over and over in our own lives and then also um, in those that we we serve. And something that I've noticed that we've been having a conversation of what is isolation mean to you? What does it feel like? And exploring connection in a different way. So I'm just going to, you know, roll in with an ecotherapy, <laughs> um, uh, I guess, idea here is that something that we explore a lot in ecotherapy is uh, the connection between humans and other than humans or humans and nature. And um, it's kind of beautiful because there's, it, it really opens up to your world to connection. So we work a lot with connecting with plants in, in my office. Like we'll do some reciprocal breathing techniques. Um, so that's, it's really interesting um, opportunity to explore what connection is and what um, I guess like that, my sense is that you're never alone because there's all these beings around you. So I'm just curious, anyone else have any um, thing they've been working with, with people that are spending a lot more time um, not interacting in person socially? Yeah. So I love that idea of you're never alone because you can always go and find other beings like plants and things outside and maybe even inside your house. And the other, but the other thing that like that I've been talking with some clients is about is this idea of like, let's explore the difference between isolation and solitude, because a lot of times isolation is, well, I mean, it feels painful. It feels negative when we hear that word and we think about that, that idea, but solitude has like a little bit of a different connotation to it. And so how can we, while, while solitude is not the only thing we need or want in our lives for most people, how can we transition our mindset from I'm isolated to I'm finding times and moments of solitude and what can I bring into that time? And what is that gift giving to me? And I, you know, I want to be careful to recognize and acknowledge that being alone is not always a gift and it can be really, really hard and painful, but also maybe there are some moments in our solitude that we, we can be an observer or we can learn some things about ourselves that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to otherwise. And so sometimes just shifting our mindset and using a different word has been helpful for, for some of my clients and, and for me too, sometimes. Uh, something that 
um, something that I noticed actually in the beginning of like the first like major like shutdown that we had here um, when our sister company's offices were closed. So I wasn't going into work every day to like check on the buildings was after a while I, you know, I got like really down and all of that stuff. And I was like, well, what is it? Is it because I'm lonely? Like I'm not seeing my friends or my coworkers. And I think a lot of it, what boiled down for me is I felt like I didn't have the freedom. Like I was fine with being um, like more like in solitude or like in like a solitary, like lifestyle for a while. But it was that feeling of, well, this is because I can't, not because I'm choosing to. And I feel like recognizing like maybe there's a specific route that's something other than just being alone. Could and I love um, Juniper's invitation to look to the other than human for that connection right now. What a wonderful opportunity we have with the pandemic to connect with things other than human. Because if you're in quarantine, that's kind of your only option right? Um, And there is just so much um, healing that can occur on a nervous system level when you connect with nature. There is just so much regulation there. And um, in terms of access to, um, you know, there's some conversation to be had there. You know, what if you live in a high-rise building that's 30 minutes away from a park and you can't get on a bus nowadays? Um, So I know some people are finding that just picking up an extra thing of herbs at the grocery store, like some basil, for example, and keeping that by your desk and just like maybe touching some of the leaves sometimes just or like Juniper invited um, with the plants, like having a living plant inside with you. Um, Anything that can kind of bring the natural world into your world and help to regulate because there's so much ancient wisdom that we just inherently even unconsciously kind of bend towards when, when we're in that space with that. And I think engaging in a sensory way, you know, that's sort of what you guys are talking about, you know, the breathing in and out. I was thinking of my candle behind me and the idea of hearing it flicker or seeing the fire or any sort of water, any sort of mindfulness technique that you can do, you know, as you're taking a shower and you're taking in all the senses. I think any of those things can help us get into our bodies in a way and sort of get into that connection to self because it's really about connection to self right now and to things other than human. I was just going to mention, there's also sort of like, we're, we're not getting out in the world and having new conversations as often. We're kind of getting um, the same feedback loop. You know, Um, we have our minds, our ways of thinking about things, whoever maybe we're um, sharing space with. And that was something that like, that I've noticed with a lot of folks, um, we're not getting to have like that moment where you go to work and someone tells a story and you're like, what, how did that happen? Like, um, and if there's any way to just kind of disrupt the repetition, like that kind of can build up. And then at first that routine can feel good. And then at some point it can feel like dull, like overwhelming, like heavy. So if there's just a way for us to metaphorically change the conversation, that's really beneficial. Yeah, this is all major themes of this entire year, Um, just kind of how to handle and survive everything that's going on. Um, I think we had 
another call in question kind of about that more broad statement. Yeah. And before we do that one, I remember Roz on social that we did have something that was sort of similar to that about boundaries, even talking around COVID. And I've been really thinking about that. If it's okay that we share that for a moment. That Yeah, um, absolutely. I think the, I think the direct question was like, how do we even start with boundaries of even just talking about COVID? So like for some people, just mentioning COVID has become a charged political feelings and then even worldview involved question, which, um, that's, that's a lot to take in when you're just talking to someone about, did you hear the numbers yesterday? (laughs) You know? And so, um, something, the one kind of piece that I would love to share, and I found that this has been super helpful for my clients, myself, my friends, um, all working in various levels, um, is to develop your COVID protocol is the thing I've been saying about that, your COVID protocol. And so in a protocol, we basically have our, um, it's almost like a flow chart or like our kind of quote boundaries, right? So for example, um, what is your protocol on wearing masks when you go out of the house? And so what we've been developing these protocols because they're a really great way for you to know first where your boundaries are around COVID and how you interact with other humans around COVID. And then two, it also helps to be able to communicate those boundaries to other people and find out what are their boundaries, or we can use the word COVID protocol. So I'm going to give a brief example of how this has looked. One of my clients, or we've been discussing um, of how to have interactions with other people, but it becomes a politically charged conversation because they ask, are you going to be wearing masks? So what we have found is first, know where you come from. Where do you stand? Where are your lines that you're willing to negotiate with? Are you willing to not have masks on outside? Or is that something you feel comfortable with? So then if you're trying to negotiate that boundary, you know where you're willing to, um, I don't, I can't remember the word I'm trying to say, something like where you're willing to maybe have a gray area on. And then you develop yours. So for example, mask on indoors, no mask outdoors. If you're come, if if we're going to have an event with two or more people, I'd like it to be outdoors, something like that. That could be your protocol. So then the idea is, is that beforehand you might ask somebody, Hey, what is your COVID protocol? Or how do you feel about this? So instead of starting the conversation of like, are you going to wear a mask? Or I'm not going to talk to you if you don't have a mask. It'd be more, what, what's, what are your um, boundaries or protocol around COVID? They can share that with you. And then you get to have the discussion of what, of, of how to interact. So that's been really helpful for me and my clients. And my COVID protocol has changed. And guess what? It's okay for your boundaries to change and be flexible based on the changing times, new information, or how you feel. But the great part is, is that I know how to communicate those now because we've set that up. Anyone else have any thoughts around that? Well, just to kind of piggyback off of that idea of preparation in advance, because I love that idea of the COVID protocol and just knowing where you stand ahead of time. Um, Something that I've been working with people on and with myself on is actually physically writing out responses. So maybe based on your COVID protocol, but sitting down and writing out, like thinking about questions that might come up that 
would be maybe stressful for you to respond to or a person that an interaction might be feel stressful thinking about that and just going ahead and writing out some responses that you might give that fit within your boundaries. So when you say, like you said, Juniper, well, my COVID protocol is this, actually going ahead and and writing that down and making a list and having that practice happen. Because, you know, we know that that engages different areas of our brain. And when we engage more areas of our brain, right, that practice really starts to solidify and settle in more effectively. So yeah, I think having that any preparation we can do. So knowing where we stand, knowing what our protocol is, and then preparing exactly the words that we're going to say so we don't get caught off guard um, ahead of time is an important thing for a lot of us to use and, and to do right now in advance of any interaction like that. Yeah. So like, for example, I've been seeing this around, but like, if you're mother or a family member says, oh, so you don't love me. And that's why you're not coming to my home. And like, what would be your prepared response to that one? Has anyone else heard that? Like, I've just been hearing that floating around, Um, like someone feeling they're taking it very personally, where it's actually not that. So do have what would be your response? Anybody? (laughs) I mean, I have heard that floating around. I think, you know, that might be an opportunity to you know, put it back on the protocol rather than your love for the person, right? So, so, you know, you might say, well, I hear, I hear that, that it's really difficult for you not to be able to see each other like we usually would, you know, please know that I do love you. And, you know, we always want to do the and rather than the, but, and, (laughs) you know, this is, this is the choice I'm making this year for my safety. And I can't wait for the chance to get together like we usually would. And, you know, that might be my words. I always encourage people to say what what feels right to them, but I think having those ands and those empathy statements when we set our boundary can be really helpful. Um, But yeah, I've definitely heard that one that, oh, you don't love me because it really is. I mean, it's hard. I, I'm sure for so many people, because of all of the emotions underlying all of this, the fear and the isolation and the loneliness and the sadness, like not to have it go straight to the heart of love and worthiness rather than just a boundary that somebody has that might be different from yours. We asked a therapist from Bridge Counseling and Wellness in Louisville, Kentucky to weigh in on this question. Here's what she said. This is Amy Halverson with Bridge Counseling and Wellness. It can be a very difficult situation when a person you love is not following the recommended COVID precautions. You might notice feelings of frustration and worry in relation to their health or their actions, possibly contributing to the spread of the disease. These emotions likely add tension to what you already were experiencing. Something that I find helpful is to remind myself what I have control over and what I do not. Each individual, each adult, carries a responsibility for taking personal safety measures. Just like wearing a seatbelt in a car or wearing a helmet on a bicycle. It's not within our control to make others put the seatbelt or helmet on. 
Something that is within your ability, however, is to share your feelings with the person you care about. Tell them, I feel worried for your safety and the safety of others around you when you don't follow precautions. Sharing our experience with another allows our heart to speak its truth. Um, yeah, this is all really great stuff. Um, if uh, I think we've got one more um, that I tried to jump ahead to earlier, but I think we've got one more call-in question. Hi, this is Richard calling from Belfast, Northern Ireland. My question is, how do I deal with all of these really difficult feelings I've been having this year without letting them bring me down more? I don't want to ignore them, but I don't want to make myself feel worse. Thanks. Well, um, I can start speaking on that one a little bit. So, yeah, I really hear this question a lot. So this person's not alone um, in wondering about that because we are living in a time where we're really having to sit with a lot of uncomfortable feelings. And that can be a challenge, especially when they're so much more significant than we many of us are usually experiencing like all at once. Um, so, you know, I, I totally understand wanting to acknowledge our feelings without wallowing, right? Because there is sort of a line of, of course, we are, are going to have the full, we want to allow the full range and full spectrum of our emotions to be present in our lives and in ourselves. And so ignoring them, we know it's not going to help, but also, you know, where is that line? Like, when do we have agency over what we do with those emotions when they're present? And so I think it can be tricky. Certainly we want to, we want to acknowledge, we want to, to welcome and learn how to sit with that distress, but also let's try to have balance, right? So there's light and dark and everything. And we want to acknowledge the light that's present as well as the dark uh, and so trying to think back about maybe what, what am I gaining here? Or is there anything that I'm missing that even acknowledging how difficult this situation is, um, is there something that I'm learning from it or I have learned from it that I might not have otherwise? So I had, you know, I had a client ask me, uh, or say to me a few weeks ago, you know, they had seen this, um, video going around on social media where it had said, if you could rewind time and get rid of all of this, like take it all back, go on back to March and have it have never happened. Would you? And my client said, no, because they've really grown and changed a lot as a person in ways they wouldn't have expected. And so acknowledging the good and the growth that we've seen while also paying attention to the hardship and having a balance of both and, and thinking about where we have, we can bring in some of those little, little elements of, of light in the midst of the dark, I think can be a good place to start. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, absolutely. Something I, um, something I work with in my client, with my clients is that, um, 
sort of allowing yourself to feel the feelings. You know, I think a lot of times we do a lot of avoiding and it doesn't feel great to sit in it. And usually when I say that, I get, you know, some resistance about sitting in it. But I think there's some ways to do it that um, that can feel okay. You know, whereas maybe setting time limits, like saying, okay, I'm going to, I got nothing to do tonight. I'm going to take an hour tonight just to feel what I'm feeling and see what comes up. So some somatic exercises, even, you know, closing your eyes, doing a body scan, seeing what you're feeling physically versus, and, and then also labeling that, you know, like, or feeling an emotion like, oh, I'm just feeling really sad. And then saying, okay, where do I feel that in my body? Take a couple of deep breaths and then sort of go inside and be like, Ooh, my heart feels really heavy or whatever. I think there's just something to acknowledging that feeling it in your body, uh, you know, uh, allowing it to move through. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, as you're doing that, then you may want to write out, do a sort of stream of consciousness. What am I feeling sort of thing? I think avoiding it honestly just makes it build up. So I think giving yourself some moments to release it in, in ways that, that feel okay. And I think also just to kind of piggyback off of what you were just saying, Stephanie, um, anything that you can do to kind of just help to get some perspective on just how much we're all going through right now. I know for me, like I took a lot of history classes during my undergraduate, like learning about, you know, the Spanish flu and like all the different pandemics in the early ninth, in the early 20th century and stuff. And when you read about those people in, in the history books, it's so easy to have compassion for them, right? Like, oh my gosh, just going through that. Like, how do you even just survive going through that? And so thinking about like myself as those people living so long ago, like just thinking about your life in terms of what you're experiencing in the world. Um, because I think that I know for myself, I'm definitely my harshest critic. <laughs> and that's something that I've noticed in my clients as well. So anything that we can do to just give ourselves a break. <laughs> um, we don't have to make sense of it right now necessarily. If we can, that's fantastic. Um, but lots of times growth only makes sense for me way down the line when I'm looking back at it. So um, just being compassionate for like making it through the day right now um, is fantastic. And like, we just live in this world where social media is just telling us that if we're not happy all the time, there's something wrong, right? Um, and so just kind of seeing this as an opportunity to reorient ourselves to the reality of life where there are ups and downs and that's okay. Well, and it's so easy to like take, to just feel like it's on us, you know? to like, we're feeling tired, we're feeling exhausted, we're feeling irritated at times, like we're having all these negative emotions. And then the natural, uh, a natural next step is often to be like, what, like, what am I doing? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I, why am I such a piece of crap or things like that? Like we go into the, sometimes this negative space, like this name calling space, this like, well, what can I do? I'm not working hard enough, you know, but if we can like take a step back and just realize or acknowledge that like, this feeling like I can just let it be. It's not, I don't have to take on the whole world right now. Yeah. And I'd like to also add in because this is obviously a conversation that I'm having five times a day, <laughs> right. About 
um, the ups and downs, but also um, I want to add in the collective here because this isn't an individual experience that we're sharing this as a collective. And in those layers, there's also other types of trauma and PTSD, like racial trauma, what we're noticing now. So there's a lot of deep energy and emotion that's shared in the collective. And so even if we're not aware how that is playing into our um, nervous system and our experience. So this is a little vulnerable, but I'm going to share it because um, I've noticed that it's been a more emotionally taxing for me lately with doing with, during COVID doing my work because I'm, I am really sharing this grief and fear and anger, to be honest, that's where it's really coming up, showing up politically in these areas. And the reason why I say that is because um, it does, you all are talking about um, feeling it and having compassion around it. And also being aware that the, the emotion, energy, and anxiety that we're experiencing isn't just ours. And it is shared by the collective. And even if we are having a good day and then all of a sudden you notice something, it might not be yours. And that's something that I was noticing recently. I had a full day of sessions and then my friend had a really bad shift. She's a nurse. And so it was just a, a really tough shift. And she was talking to me about it. And I was like, I'm re- oh no, I'm getting ready to have a panic attack. I was legitimately getting ready to have a panic attack because I had reached this like limit of empathy or something. I don't know the words. And so like, I think having that compassion, but also the invitation to pause. And I'm going to say this to my therapy my my mental health professionals out here is that we can pause and slow down because it is a lot to take in. And I'd like to kind of put that out there. Um, Honestly, my therapist is working with me on that of like just pausing. Wow. That's really heavy that that happened at work, that your coworker died. And um, because they were treating COVID patients, I want to pause and take that in because that's a lot. I'm really feeling that here. And um, it's okay to do that for ourselves. And I didn't know. I thought I just had to stand there and panic and feel like I'm going to throw up (laughs) when I was getting overwhelmed. Well, I mean, that's, we're in this helping profession. Like this is, it's, it's quite a lot of pressure. Like, because we're not like, we are experiencing this moment also. Like this is an unprecedented moment. We don't, we didn't know how to prepare for it. It's really hard to restore. It's much harder to restore than it used to be. And more than ever, like the need for like mental health services is through the roof. So like the demand is higher than ever. And yet we're, we have to take care of ourselves as well. And it's really hard. And it's, it's, there are times to, um, to speak from my own, you know, like for my own self, like I, I'm coming into this field and I have always really loved this field and gotten so much out of it and loved what I do, but it has felt overwhelming lately. It has felt like, oh my gosh, like how do I help when I don't even know how to help myself right now? Where there are days where it feels like I don't even know how to make myself feel better, you know? And I think that is an interesting position. Like when you're in a helping position and you're feeling like I don't even know how to help myself, like do you, do you, have you had any of those experiences like anyone else? Yes. 
<laughs> I'm really glad that you and Juniper are talking about that because I think the idea of the collective and having to hold space for all of that emotional energy and, and even though it's amazing that people are more and more recognizing the importance of mental health in just like general conversation, it's also, it, it is a lot of pressure. You know, I'm, I, I think we are sometimes for better or worse, like held up when we are brought into the conversation as these, you know, amazing vessels who do this work and who can hold all of it without cracking. And that's just, that's not, we're human. Like you said, I mean, we are, we're human and we're, we are being given the opportunity, if I'm going to phrase it that way, to hold the, our, the world's collective grief and help them walk through that. Um, and yeah, it's really, I almost cussed. It's really hard right, right now. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's heavy. And I love the invitation that Juniper, you were talking about to just pause and acknowledge the heaviness and to not, um, try not to just shame ourselves into, well, I'm in this profession. Like I should be able to do this. I should just be able to do this all the time. It's, I should be fine. Right. And to Laurel's point about the vessel, what I was thinking, as you said, that was, um, (laughs) that a vessel only has a certain capacity. We all are human and we only have a certain capacity. And so recognizing that, you know, to Juniper's point, after having, you know, five, five sessions and then a a friend that's, you know, and then often we do have friends and family members that reach out to us because we are that person for lots of people outside of work too. Um, I think that it's, that's, it's super important to know your own resources. It's, it's important to be able to, fill back up or to empty out the vessel is what we're talking about it in this way. Um, I think it's really important for us to recognize that and to have awareness of our own needs. And speaking on this, actually, I think it would be really great to just go around and hear what you all do to help take care of yourself when that vessel has, you know, like reached its capacity or it's almost there. Um, Cause I feel like I come from, I'm coming into this conversation with an interesting perspective where I'm not uh, a therapist or a counselor or a social worker. Um, but I still play that like sounding board role in a lot of aspects of my life. And I am on our social media and I'm seeing these questions and all of this stuff. So I feel like for me, I'll just start, then I'll kick it to you guys. Um, I feel like for me, what helps is to just be able to do something that is just solely outside of anything that someone can contact me on. Like I am on my laptop, but it is in game mode and I am playing Minecraft and my phone's in the other room and just, it could be for 30 minutes or I could spend all night doing it. And either one is what I need in that moment. (laughs) Uh, Juniper, what, what do you, what do you end up doing? (laughs) Oh my, well, I forgot to pre-think of an answer, so I'm just going to kind of go with what's legitimately happening right now and not what I think is going to sound really amazing. And um, I've kind of been all over the place of, you know, self-care or emptying my vessel or um, processing or just completely distracting. And I don't know about you all, but I feel like I've been on this journey throughout 
the pandemic of how that's looked. And so um, right now, currently, I'm really working on the pause because my body is taking it. it I, the toll is placed being placed on my body. I've been not feeling well. Um, I've been feeling tired, worn out physically. I have stomach aches, um, tension and headaches. And so I'm curious, like that, what my body's trying to tell me, I think it has a lot of wisdom. And I think it's saying like your vessel's full. I'm going to really go with that. And so one of the things that I've been able to do is, um, instead of my normal tactic of completely disappearing. So I used to pre pre COVID work really hard, be doing intense stuff and then go away on vacation and just go away. I'm like, I'm going to be in the woods. No one can, I can't be connected, but I haven't been, had a chance to do that as much. So what I'm doing are mini vacations of going away and disconnecting very much like Rosalind talked about. So for me, um, a lot of that happens outside. Um, but honestly, I've been finding um, spaces within my own home to do that because it is getting colder. And sometimes I've walked around my neighborhood a million times and I'm wanting some, some differences. So I've been finding some spaces within my home and I'm doing mini disconnect retreats is what I'm calling them in my head. And I'm talking 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm on retreat. And so I like put away all my stuff. And so sometimes it's dancing to a playlist that I'm really into, or sometimes it is just sitting there staring mindlessly. Sometimes I like play maybe a game on my phone. So I give myself, but I'm calling them mini retreats and I'm trying to have two 15 minute mini retreats a day. So that's one thing that I've been doing to care for myself. If I can jump on that and follow you, Juniper, um, I just really love what you're talking about because this is something that I have used to do a lot in my life before um, that always helped me. And now I've realized how important it is. So I have always been a big advocate for like, whenever I'm stuck, just feeling really mentally, like, I don't know, just backed into a corner. I like to reorg, like uh, move my furniture around or like move the decorations on my wall into different places. Um, because it is about like refreshing that space. Like it is it, cause it feels new now. So you can't vacation. You're, you were mentioning like, you can't go out necessarily in vacation the way you used to, but like making that like corner of your room that you've looked at a million times that you're bored of, like that doesn't inspire you and being like, you know what, let's like, let's make that a, a space. It is like a mental vacation. <laughs> um, like it simulates new ideas. I think that, you know, for myself, like uh, finding a way to be expressive is very important for my health and self-care. Um, and I, I'll identify myself as like, I'm a, I'm an extroverted or an introverted extrovert. Like I need my restorative space, but I am by nature an extroverted person. Like I like to talk, um, and I like to, to find new ideas. Um, and being cut off from that has been very tough. Um, so I'm, I like to just sometimes moving things around the room changes the conversation in my head. So speaking of the conversation in your head, um, I have a couple things that I want to um, add on to this discussion of how we're nourishing ourselves right now. Um, and for me coming into this field, um, 
a lot of my self-care right now is bringing myself back to like what it is I think I'm doing and then what my actual purpose in this is because I really, really, I'm in this because I want to help people and I want to make their lives better and I really want to fix things, you know? And it's that writing reflex that I'm really having an opportunity right now to analyze and to ask, you know, if it's realistic um, and if it's going to serve me and the folks that I am helping on my journey in this career. And so for me, one of my self-care tactics um, during before and after sessions is just like kind of offering myself to be of service to the universe. And I know that sounds really cheesy <laughs> when I say it out loud, but it's just this kind of powerful, like silent mantra of like, what can I do to help right now with what's going on instead of like fixing things or trying to like save the day? Um, just what can I do to be here right now with you? Um, so there's that. And that's really, really been helpful um, for someone like me that just kind of wants to make everything right. Um, and then also something that helps to with that headspace as well um, is something maybe a little bit small, but I will, um, especially for in-person interactions, when I'm wearing a mask, this is kind of one of the tiny little silver linings to having to have a mask on all day is I will put a couple drops of my favorite essential oil, the one that really relaxes me. Um, right now it's like a blue tansy pine type mix, but a lot of times it will be lavender. Um, one of the cool things about lavender is it hits your bloodstream within three seconds of smelling it. So it's really like an instant kind of regrounding technique for me, um, which is helpful because I can get lost in that headspace really quickly nowadays, especially just on my own in front of my screen in my house. You know, I don't have those coworkers around me to help ground. So um, having this oil, like putting it right on my mask, super helpful um, little thing I do for self-care. I kind of hear everybody saying, you know, that our normal coping skills, we can't do right now. And so we are kind of all going a little deeper and trying to find the things that work. And I think it it is the smaller moments. I think for me, it's been definitely smaller moments because I haven't been able to do the things I normally do. So for me, I've tried to, um, I try to look into the things that I love that I never have enough time to do. Like I've been, you know, searching out new music or searching out new art or those sorts of things that help that I, I recognize that those are things that fill me up that I can do from home. Um, and I also, you know, I'm one that has to get outside and I don't love the cold. So I've been trying to make myself be um, okay with the cold. I just walk out sometimes and just feel it. <laughs> and that seems to help. I love that. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the just feeling it. Um, and that that is kind of where I've been going as far as like what I'm doing for myself is focusing on the feeling because I tend to intellectualize and get kind of stuck in my head. That's the way I, my personality operates. Um, and, but the thing, you know, within that, that I've really been trying my best to focus on lately is this idea of giving myself unconditional permission to listen to my body. Um, and so if that means, if that means like going to bed at eight, you know, where I would normally be like, 
it's eight o'clock. I can't go to sleep yet. Like, well, if my body's tired, I'm going to go to sleep no matter what the number on the clock says. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> in a, in a, taking into consideration other factors, like I can't go to sleep in a session, obviously. Um, but, or if I want to do a cartwheel, like I'm going to do a cartwheel. Yeah. Um, if I'm, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat a snack even if I already ate and I have a thought in my head that says, well, I shouldn't be hungry. I just ate. So just kind of giving myself permission to feel the feelings in my body um, and acknowledge those and, and respond to those rather than argue with them is what I've been doing. Because it's really important at the Academy for both personal and professional development. Um, we always try to provide opportunities for uh, guided practices where we can embody what we're talking about and so today, Stephanie, you wanted to share, you had mentioned earlier that you have a technique in brain spotting called virgence. Yes. You'd like to share that today? Absolutely. Um, it's really simple. It's one that you can use when you feel like your anxiety is high or even, you know, when you can, you know, that moment where you can sort of tell you're, you're like headed toward panic. Um, like you talked about that earlier, Juniper. Um, so it's very simple. Basically you can use your finger, you can use a pencil. Um, the idea is, um, that our eyes will converge on the point closest to us. We hold it about six to 10 inches from our face. And then you find a spot, you know, on the wall, maybe 10 feet behind the pencil. So the idea is that your eyes will converge on the point and then diverge as you, as you look away. And so you're supposed to trombone between the two spots. So I want to focus here. I tend to count when I'm doing it. So I'll count to three while I'm focused here. And then I look away and count to three. And then I look back and count to three. Um, and it basically just sort of kicks in the same sort of idea of, you know, parasympathetic and the same thing as the deep breathing. So if you do it while you're deep breathing, it's super helpful. So, um, but yeah, you just do it. You can do it slow, move it faster. If it feels like you need to move it faster um, and it can help lower anxiety. That is really cool. And I feel like I do that a lot without noticing it. Like I'll be just be sitting there just. Yep. You probably do. We Like zoning out. Yeah, there's all sorts of eye position type things that we do, like a lot of times when we're um, uh, talking about something that's hard to talk about, we'll look at a certain direction, we'll take our eyes in a certain direction. And it's it's not that we're looking at something, it's more about eye position and sort of how that connects to our brain and, and what we're talking about. Thank you. And can I ask Stephanie, is there any contraindications for this technique with clients that we should know about if we were going to practice ourselves and then maybe if we find it soothing to try it out in sessions. Is there any times where this wouldn't be um, clinically appropriate? Um, I don't know of any. What, what they have noticed is that sometimes when you first start doing it, you might feel a little rise in anxiety for like the first couple of things, but if you keep going, then it lowers. Some people just do that. Other people will lower right away. This was um, really awesome and fascinating. And I always love hearing you guys talk about all of your things. Um, one thing that I noticed was a big theme in our specific discussion was just the power of observation. And if we don't have the energy right now to act upon something or like fully like flesh it out and think it through, like just being able to at least observe the things around you is a good start. Um, and I found that interesting because I posted um, something on our social media today or two days ago, yesterday recently. Um, 
is actually a quote by Haruki Murakami, um, who has some of my favorite short stories. Um, <clears throat> so if you guys would like me to read that, I will do that now. Um, I think that my job is to observe people in the world and not to judge them. I always hope to position myself away from so-called conclusions. I would like to leave everything wide open to all the possibilities in the world. And I just feel like right now with everything flying everywhere, that just be open to all of the possibilities of where those things land can be really great. Yeah, that's beautiful, Roz. And Thank that we so much. Let's all say bye at the same time. <laughs> bye, wonderful. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it was good to see everybody and talk to everybody. Yeah. Always. Well, we really hope that you enjoyed this conversation today with the Academy team doing a question and answer. And as always, we love your feedback. Please send us a comment, info at academyimh.com, or you can just go onto our website and fill out the contact us submission form. Again, our website is www.academyimh.com. And if you would like to hear more question and answers or more discussions from other amazing mental health professionals around topics that are interesting to you, let us know and we will do it. All right. Take care.